0: Podcast from Hope Church, Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. The last few weeks, we've looked at living life on mission, um, haven't we? Anybody? No. Living life on mission, being more like him. And really the focus that's been around that, yes, we're being more like Jesus, but it's about living life on mission as Jesus did. If we want to be more like Jesus, then we have to understand the life that he lived in the sense that God had set him apart to be called to do a mission, to do his work, to bring salvation to you and me, to be called and to be the very God in flesh, to come down to planet Earth, to leave his throne in heaven, to leave all of that, that we have no idea to even grasp how amazing heaven is just yet. We can read a few bits. The Lord gives us a few tasters, but he doesn't show us everything. And you know, one day if we put our faith and our trust in him, we're going to see heaven in all its splendor. And I think at that point that it will really drill home what Jesus did. Because he left that splendor. He came down to planet earth to be born in a stable rejected by men and women. And there was nailed to a cruel cross and he defeated sin and he defeated death to make a way back to God for people like us. And that is the joy of the gospel. And the gospel is really where we're centered this morning, Acts chapter 17, if you've got your Bibles with you. And the gospel really is the mission that we as his children, as sons and daughters of the living God, this is the mission that we're on, to share the gospel. Matthew 28, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus told that to the disciples. He tells that to us, his disciples, as we are followers of Christ. If we've accepted, to Christ, the Savior, we are followers of Christ, yeah? Sorry, <laughs> hello? So we're followers of Christ, yeah? So that means we're adherents to his word, we do as his word says, we live for him, and therefore we are to live life on mission. And we've seen and we've understood over the past few weeks what that looks like. And this morning, I want to drill down into this portion of um, Acts that ta- talks about the church in Thessalonica, or as I like to call it, Thessalonica, but apparently I, I'm not allowed to, so it's Thessalonica. So if I get that wrong, don't judge me, um, know that I'm working on it. But here Paul is um, on his second mission, he's going out into Thessalonica in order to show people and to tell people about Christ. And during our 24 hours of prayer, we had a look at a Bible reading, I think it was about 2 a.m., 2 a.m., we did a Bible reading, and we read the two books of Thessalonians, the first uh, first and second, the two letters written by Paul, in order that we might get our heads there, because church, for Bible study, that's where we're going, okay? We're going to Thessalonians, and what we have to do is, hopefully, is just lay some groundwork so that we can know how the church came about, and that's really where we find out what Paul did in order to plant the church in Thessalonica. have already got it wrong once. <laughs> And and there we get to see how it was planted and how it came about. And really the twenty four hours of prayer just enabled us to start to think and to centre around what God's got to say to us over the coming weeks in Bible study Wednesdays at seven PM. Little plug there. Make sure you're there. If you're not there again, I take it personally. And there's only so much this skin can take, it's not that thick, all right? (laughs) And we're going to hopefully unlock the book of, or the books of Thessalonians and see what Paul's got to say to the church. So hopefully this morning, I want us to see Paul's passion. I want us to see Paul's desire to spread the gospel as effectively as he possibly can. As he lived life on mission, Paul was a man who followed in the footsteps of Jesus in the sense that he lived out his life for Christ. He was completely opposite to that. He was going in the other direction. He was very good at persecuting the church. He was brilliant at it, in fact. And he was there party to and uh, agreeing to the stoning of Stephen, uh, one of the early church, one of the followers of Christ. And he was happy to persecute the church. And then the Lord met him and said, Paul, I've got a different plan for you. And Paul knows the word, he understands the word to the point where Christ met him and said, we're going to take all that you know, we're going to turn it on its head, and you that were adversity towards the church, you that were telling the church that it couldn't grow, you are going to be party to what God has got planned. You are going to bring and tell and take salvation to those that aren't the Jews, to the Gentiles. Anybody else a Gentile apart from me this morning? Welcome, Gentiles. Gentiles, welcome. Those that are not Jewish, we're not brought up in the Jewish nation, are not Jew by birth. This is what Paul's mission was to do. Tell people. Share the good news. So with that said, I've got to squeeze all this in in three hours. So Acts chapter 17, let's just read it together. Verses 1 through 9. Those that are new this morning, don't panic. It's not really three hours. I'll be as quick as I possibly can. Two hours, 45 minutes max. Acts chapter 17 verse 1, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, there where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters. Who would have been in that group? No? Okay. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are defying Caesar's decrees saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. They put Jason and the others on bail and let them go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to ask this morning that you might just open up your word to us. That, Father, you might just bring something fresh to us this morning. That, Father, we might see something more of your wonder and your beauty. Lord, we thank you for Paul and his, for, uh, for Father, his fervor to go out and to do as you've called him to do. We thank you, Lord, that he lived a life on mission. And we pray this morning, as we just look into this, that you might just freshen us up. That, Father, you might just help us as we look forward into the coming months and think of all that we've got planned as a church, Father, in your will. That, Father, you might help us to focus on living our life on mission that we might enable people to see something of you in our lives, that we might have the uh, strength, we might have the uh, words to say to those people that come in that don't yet know you as Lord and Savior, that you might help us to speak truth and to speak life. So we pray, Father God, that you might just bless us and encourage us this morning from your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so first of all, Paul passes through two places as he's on his way from Philippi. Um, and I, well, I'm not the type of person who reads over that and thinks how oh, that'll do. I want to know why. Anybody else want to know why? Why did he pass through those places? I personally think it's because he couldn't pronounce them. So he he thought to himself, I'll skip them. But no, of course not. He passed through two places. Now, he's with Silas, um, and he's probably left um, Timothy over in Philippi. And he's traveled around 100 miles to get to here. He's passed through these places, as it says there in verse 1, to get to Thessalonica. Thessalonica. Um, And for background, Paul's on his second missionary journey. He's on his journey to preach Christ, the gospel. And predominantly, Paul's goal was to preach to the Gentiles. Gentiles, as we've said, the non-Jews, people like you and me. So why is he passing places? Why would he do that? Surely if you're on mission and you're doing what the Lord's called you to do, you go everywhere and anywhere, don't you? You don't just pass places. But you see this structure to what Paul does. He's listening to what God wants him to do. He's doing the will of the Lord. And of course, as we, as you see through Thessalonians and you see through all the letters that Paul writes, there were places that he didn't go even though he wanted to go. There were places that Satan stopped him from going to. There were also places that the Holy Spirit stopped him from going to. See if you can find that one. There were places that Paul did go and didn't go. But really, as you look at this, you can see that geographically, that economically, it's the right move to make. The two places that he passes through are just small towns, not very big at all. But the place that he goes to in the end, Thessalonica, he does that because there's around 200,000 people in that population. It was classed as the capital of Macedonia, uh, uh, the province Macedonia. It was the place to go. Because what what that meant is, and and we see this quite a lot in um, modern churches today, that modern churches, big churches particularly, will set up in cities. Why? Well, because it's the ripple in the pond effect, isn't it? You drop a big stone in a pond and a big ripple will go out. And that's very much the same as what Paul's doing here and the churches do as they set up in the cities. But what happens is, if the ripples are effective, then it goes out. And the towns around about these two towns that he's passed through would find out what the gospel was all about. A, because he'd been to Philippi, which was over here, he travelled a hundred miles and gone over here to Thessalonica, and therefore the ripples would meet, and people would hear about Christ. So, the, the, as you can see, geographically and economically, in the sense of how he went about his business, it worked right. It did what needed to. He did what needed to be done in order that people might hear about Christ. And I also find this, that people would have heard about Paul, and we'll go through this letter that Paul, um, sorry, this um, description of what happened, we'll, we'll go through it and we'll see that people heard about him. But that you think of the effect that if, if Paul, as they know, oh, he's the man who preaches about Christ, he's the man who preaches about the gospel, oh, if he comes to your town, you either like him, you love him or you hate him. But when somebody goes and says, do you know what? I heard the gospel in Philippi. And the Lord has changed my life. And they'll go, yeah, I've heard about you. You were a right troublemaker. A lot of people say that about me. They don't. Never been a troublemaker in my life. Honestly. You were a troublemaker and now all of a sudden you found this Jesus and you seem to be a different person. You seem to be completely different to what I used to know. And you think of the effect that that has on life, rather than just uh, Paul in a barrage going and telling them about Jesus, but rather that the effect of what Christ is having will also have an impact. And at times, I believe that that can have a bigger impact. Somebody's testimony can have a real big impact, rather than a message week in, week out, but rather a personal description of what Christ has done for me can make a huge effect uh, on people's lives. And that's what Paul was counting on, that the Holy Spirit would do the work and the ripples in the pond, the big splash would go out and that people from the towns and villages around Thessalonica and Philippi, that they would hear. So Paul started his work. He started God's work. And as we go on here... Um, I love this point in verse 2, and this I've got a few points, only three really, um, and this is one of them. That this morning, Paul says if, in verse 2, as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on the Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. So for two stroke three weeks, Paul finds himself doing what he does. He does what he does. He is who he is. Interesting that, isn't it? Because for us as his church, often Forgive me, you might not be, but I've seen churches where people are very different when they're in church. You know, just the shoulders are back a little bit and No, everything's wonderful because everybody speaks posh, don't they? My my dad I've told you this before, my dad always used to say if you ever see a church front door going for sale in an auction, buy it because it changes everything. Because you step through that door from having grief with the kids in the car, you know the stuff, and you step through the door, hi, everything's fine. (laughs) So good, lovely to see you, we're just pleased to be here. And you're like that with a kid, shut up. Of course, as I say, that doesn't happen at Hope, but I've seen it happen. (laughs) And Paul here is who he is. He doesn't change who he is. He goes about who he is. And in him being who he is, he affects people to see Christ big lesson for us because in our day to day we go to work and we're perhaps different to what we are at church we may be a little bit different to what we are at home and I know in some senses that has to be right because if I talked to Laura like I talked to the lads on the shop floor about I need you to get this 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 and this done and if that doesn't happen by the end of day end of play today there's going to be a few issues that would not work at home okay But what I mean is that our whole persona is the same. It doesn't have to be different. I can tell people to do things at work without barking at them, but I can show them. And and this is the difference, isn't it? And and Jesus was really good at this when he tied the uh, towel around his waist and he got down on the floor and he washed his disciples' feet. I want you to serve people. How am I going to show you that? I'm going to serve people and you're going to see. And that's very much how we're to be. And it's the same as we present ourselves to different people groups that we are who we are. Don't try and be something that you're not because there's no longevity to it because you will fail. We try so hard with a facade. Look how great I am. It's all wonderful. And then they catch you on a Monday at 9 a.m. Wow, they are awful. Not you again, not you. I saw a few people at 9am yesterday after a a whole night of being awake and I was so amazed by how nice they all were and how I had to make myself a coffee, a very strong coffee in order to not be awful. (laughs) But the gospel starts, doesn't it, with us. It starts with you and me. Because if I go and I try to be something that I'm not and then I try to tell people about Christ, they'll go, yeah, but you're different. You're saying this, but you don't act like it. You're saying that, but I've seen you do this. You see, it's our entire life. And that's why we're supposed to be, as the Bible tells us, to be an overflow. That everything that's within is centered around Christ. Everything that's within, hopefully, is trying to be more like him. Progressive sanctification, huge. But we're trying to be more Christ-like, and then that spills out. If you keep filling up a glass of water, what eventually happens? The water flows out and then it starts to wet everywhere else. And that's the same with our lives, that the love of Christ fills us so much that it overflows. And as it overflows, people get affected by that. They've got wet feet. What's going on? And this is what Paul is saying, and and as as uh, the descriptions brought out there, as was his custom. Paul didn't change who he was. He lived for Christ wholeheartedly every day, doing what the Lord had called him to do. He didn't need to be anything different. And I think that's really probably the lesson. If we have to be different when we come into church, perhaps there's an issue. If we have to put on the, the, the different, this is who I am, guys then perhaps at home there's a problem. Perhaps at work there's a few issues. But rather we should be consistent in our approach because we should be like Christ day to day. Amen? So the question is, what about us? Are we living in all areas of our lives focused on mission? Are we living in all areas of our lives trying to be more Christ-like? Or do we need to change? Do we need to refocus? Do we need to take a look at ourselves and see what things need to be changed? Or do we look at ourselves and remember that we're a sinner saved by grace? There's nothing special about you. There's nothing special about me. The only thing that is different between me and somebody on their way to a Christless eternity is that I've accepted Christ as Savior and I'm indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Not because of me, because of him. Amen? And this is what we have to get right, our perspective, and we'll come on to that. Paul shared and people turned to Jesus. And as he does that, we get something that you can miss if you don't just read it, just uh, just just give it some give it some time. And as I read this, I found myself chuckling a little bit because uh, in verse four, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, and as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. So there's a lot of people following Christ that aren't Jewish, and that's exciting. But the Jews were jealous. Well, you have the same opportunity. I'll read it again. That some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and non-prominent women, uh, not a few prominent women, excuse me. Uh, But the the Jews were uh, jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, and they formed a mob, and they started kicking off. And you think to yourself, well, you have had the same opportunity to listen to what Paul has said, to understand, as we see in the first few verses, that Jesus is Christ, that we have to put our faith and our trust in Jesus. You have the same opportunity. Let You find yourself jealous because they've accepted and you can see change. And you're like, that's outrageous. How dare they? Look at this hand. How dare they? And you think, "There's, there's some kind of madness in there, isn't there? And I wonder this morning whether we can find ourselves in that. Um, there's a few words that, well, they're scary because we fall into the trap. One of them is entitlement. It's big. But the truth is that we as human beings, we fall into the trap of entitlement. I'm entitled to This is the good news. This is the best bits. These are the bits that I deserve. I deserve all of these. I should be. How can they be when I haven't? Nobody's ever said these, but they don't deserve that. Look at me. I I deserve that. And in our entitlement, we're missing... What God has got in front of us. We're missing the good news. And they were missing the good news because they were entitled to it. We're Jewish, don't you know? And don't think that just means the Jews. Because we, in modern society, in our um, in the way that we live and the way that we are, all that advertising tells us that we are the most important. And I deserve anything I want. And the Bible tells us this morning that if we're not careful, we miss the good news about Christ because of entitlement, thinking that we should have. And how can such and such have? How can they have when I haven't? We've had the same opportunity, though, as the prostitute. We've had the same opportunity as the drug user. We've had the same opportunity as the murderer who's found Christ in prison. We have the same opportunity as the businessman who's successful. We have the same opportunity as the teacher. We have the same opportunity as the doctor, the same opportunity as the nurse to receive Christ, but I haven't put my faith and trust in Christ, so therefore how can they have it and I haven't? Because I deserve it. And I guess we have to think, because we can't let the enemy cloud our vision. We cannot let the enemy cloud our vision. We have to look to Jesus and find salvation for ourselves. The good news is this, that for God so loved the world that he gave. The good news is that we have the opportunity to accept Christ as Savior. You, this morning, have the opportunity to accept Christ as Savior as much as any other person. And my final point, is in verse 6. This is great. But when they did not find them, after the mob had done what they needed to do, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men, who have caused trouble all over the world, have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. Paul and Silas, troublemakers, They were known for causing trouble. And I've popped that in inverted brackets. Why? They were known for sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. They were known for telling people about Jesus. They were known all over the world or the world that they would see themselves in. They were known all over the world about uh, about being people that were telling others about Christ, telling people the good news, the gospel of Christ. And my question is this this morning. Here comes another challenge. What are we known for? What are we known for? And there is a myriad of things. But what are we known for? Christian, are we known for our love? Are we known for our passion for Jesus? Are we known for our desire to reach people for Christ wherever that might take us? Are we known for all of these things? Or are those things miles off? And I'm known as somebody who goes to church every now and again. Somebody who goes to church, I go every week. Oh, you know that churchgoer or are we known as a Jesus follower? Church, there's a big difference. There's a really big difference. Are we known as a Jesus follower, or are we known as a church goer? And I guess we have to have the challenge and let it soak into our hearts. We have to sit with it, and we have to allow the Lord to work on it, and it is this, what are we known for? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, we just want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you, Lord, that it shapes us, that it shows us what we're to do and shows us how we're to live. It's our measuring stick for life. And we just pray, Lord God, that you might just help us and strengthen us. Father, that you might encourage us to be more Christ-like. That, Lord, as we live our lives on mission for you, that we might be known for people that love the Lord Jesus Christ. We might be known for being passionate about sharing the good news, the gospel of Christ. We might be known for who we are. Sons and daughters of the living God. And Father, that might not change whatever environment we go into, but whatever environment we go into, we take Christ with us. And that people might see that in our lives. Father, help us and shape us, encourage us as your church. And Father, too, we want to pray this morning as we look forward to this new academic year, that Father God, that you would speak into hearts and lives that come into this building. Father, we are a very small fish in a not-so-big pond in this area of Gainsborough. But, Father God, we know that your gospel has been reaching people for salvation for millennia. And, Lord, we look forward to in an expectancy that you would help us, Father, be that beacon on a hill That you would help us to live our lives on mission for you. And that as people come through these doors, for whatever it might be, whether it be the Hope Kitchen or the High Five, whether it be on a Sunday, whether it be for Bible study, Father, or one of the events that we put on throughout the year, whatever reason they walk through that door, that they would see Christ. And Father, too, for us as we're out and about in the streets, doing what we do at work, living our lives, that our lives would be overflowing with the love of Christ and that we might affect people. Father, we ask all of these things in and through our Saviour's precious name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgangered.co.uk.